We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. This is the Sports Social where we do sports chats for everyone and it's really exciting to be here. Hey, George. Hi. How are you? Oh, look, there was car racing on over the weekend. It's our favourite pastime now. <laughs> Who would have thought? One of my kids is homesick, so we were re-watching the race this morning and I was like, this is so cool. Like he and I now have a sport that he wants to sit down and watch with me and he he's sitting there going, go Max, go Max, go Checo. Does he have favourites yeah, now? Yeah, he's calling out their names. He's learning. Love that. So cool. I lost my mind when Charles Leclerc had to slow down for a cat on the track. That was an unexpected plot twist in an F1 race for me. I feel like there's been a few near misses in the past couple of races. Yeah. Because there's the cat, there was the thing at the Australian Grand Prix and then did you see the pit lane with Esteban Ocon? <sighs> was that a photographer or oh no, there was something else out on the there track. There was like 20 people in pit lane. That he then had to slow down for and like almost hit. Like if you see the um, the dash cam footage from his car, it's terrifying. Like poor Ocon. Pit lane scares me at the best of times, particularly if there's a safety car because they're all of a sudden all just converging on pit lane and they're coming in quickly and there were so many near misses. But also so much beauty in watching some of them just weave in and out and just make the most perfect transition off the track. Mm. And that is how Checo won the race. Is it? Through the safety car. Ah. Because Max made a call to change his tyres early or maybe just before the safety car came out. And then however it works, however Max then came back onto the track, he was then behind Checo. So good. I know. It is an interesting rivalry. I was talking to Jace about this off air because I'm like, they could both potentially – win the world championship. I just don't think Checo, with my deep F1 knowledge, I don't think Checo is as consistent as Max. I remember we were looking at lap times and Max, when he's having his day, Max is just banking the exact same time lap after lap. Mm. And how do you do that? How do you do that for like 53 laps? I mean, he gets paid like $40 he gets, million. He gets, he gets paid a lot. Uh <laughs> He gets I would paid. Try, I would try and be real consistent <laughs> if I was getting paid that much. You're like, I could swim laps that quickly. I can be consistent with swimming. <laughs> the team I'm loving watching the most is the Aston Martin team because Fernando Alonso was overheard sending tips back to pit lane for the crew to give to Lance Stroll Aww. about how to improve the braking system. I mean that. I mean that's practically. I, there's, it's probably way more technical than that. But his braking system or so the cars. Like Alonso had worked out something on his car's braking system. That sort of little refinement that happens in F1 cars, and was feeding back to the team what he had learnt, so that they could pass that on to Stroll, so that he can improve his performance. And oh, I was just like, oh, this is the evolution of F1 teams. It's like Alonso's gone, actually, why don't I work with my teammate to improve our overall team performance? 
Is it like Jamie Tart and season three of Ted Lasso? Yes, it's exactly like that. It's his character evolution. Yes, <laughs> this is arc that's happened for Alonzo. I always find it funny that you can take any sport, any sport, and tie it back to Ted yes, Lasso somehow. Yes, always. We can. That's and our I- superpower now. Okay. <laughs> can we get Apple on board? <laughs> Can you sponsor? That would be great. Apple Plus. It's a Thank shame you. that we've really worked this out on the third and final season of Ted Lasso. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> also, I think I know what they're going to lead with um, with the new Drive to Survive season. What? George Russell and Max Verstappen oh, having, having oh, arguments. Having a little stand-up chat in pit lane. I'm here for it. <laughs> Angry Max. You don't see him very often. It's, do you know what? It's also interesting watching like 20-year-old guys. They're not 20. They're a bit older than 20, but guys in their 20s having an argument. Like you sort of looked – I looked at them and I realised that they were just so young. Like who put these kids in charge of really fast cars? Like, they're having a Barney about something and I'm like, oh, you're so little. You should be at uni still. Look how cute you are. <laughs> you don't fit your little cheek. You're adorable. Hi, my name's Aidan Toa, and what I love about sport is the ability to bring communities together, the camaraderie and the friendships that you build within your sporting teams. Lib, there's news in the world of AFL. Big news. I don't know if you know, but Gillan McLaughlin, who has been the CEO of the AFL forever, resigned. But he resigned such a long time ago, I'd almost forgotten that it happened. Yeah, I had completely forgotten. Yeah. If, if I knew it all, to be fair. <laughs> I love your honesty. He resigned over a year ago and so began the search for the new CEO of the AFL. And they went, went external. They've spent bucket loads of money on this recruitment process, like all good recruitment processes. And where they have found the appropriate candidate is right in the building I suppose like, you've got to be seen to be, you know, checking that everyone, you know, you've looked at everyone's qualifications. Do you have to do that? Can't you just go to Job Seeker or whatever? <laughs> Not Job Seeker, Seek. <laughs> well, they put it up on Seek. Put it up on Seek. Looking for a CEO of, of, a, of a national te- a national league. Please apply. imagine the applicants that would apply for that. <laughs> I ran Every our Joe club Blow. association. <laughs> I did it to great. Oh, what you're doing, the AFL's crap, mate. I'll do a better job than you. <laughs> I want to put you forward, Georgie. <laughs> I've coached under uh, under eights netball. Yep. I feel like I could really add a lot to the <laughs> to the corporate life of the AFL. Yes. <laughs> oh god. So how did they land on Andrew? Well, Dillon? he's been. I think he's been in the AFL for twenty years. Seems good. He's got a legal background. He's been working on all the concussion issues for the AFL. He knows the business inside out. He's worked all over the business. He's very passionate about grassroots and community sport, which gets me very excited. Mm. And I think it's just a sensible, safe pair of hands. Why'd they have to spend so much money? (laughs) That's money they could have saved and put towards a stadium in Tasmania. That was a big announcement That's huge. For those who don't know... Uh, Tasmania has been announced as the site for the 19th AFL team. This is the eighth bid Tasmania has put up to have an AFL team. Ah, I did not know that. It's been going on since like the 80s. They're a state that is deeply passionate about AFL and so many great players have come from Tasmania. 
and what this commentator was saying is that it, you can't underestimate the power of having a team that represents your state and that your kids can go and watch their players who they support. They can go down every second week and go and see them in person and that's a really powerful thing. What are they going to call them? The Tasmanian Devils. Oh. That's that's the hot tip of what they'll be called. So I was going to say Tasmanian Tigers but there's Richmond Tigers. There's a lot of Tigers. I mean, why not really own your the native? Isn't it extinct? <laughs> or is, is that it? the Tiger? No, the Tasmanian Tiger is extinct. The devil is still alive, but oh, it's it's endangered. Sugar, I don't. Know. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Tasmanian devil is it is a real thing, still exists, but is endangered. So it's a great way to lift its profile. <laughs> it's a marketing opportunity for the Tasmanian it's devils. About to be like you know, two hundred thousand more Tasmanian devils. <laughs> it's a win all round. It is. It is. There's been a little bit of criticism from some parts of the community that money that's been going to be spent on stadiums could be spent on hospitals and blah, blah, blah. the housing crisis the housing crisis and that's fair but also the money has not been taken from hospital allocations mm. or housing allocations it's money we that hope. we hope <laughs> we're deep inside the government and <laughs> having we're looked at the budget sure. papers we're pretty sure <laughs> hasn't come from the hospital budget it's not how health works that's good to know. I'm glad. <laughs> no, we wouldn't have a clue. So, yeah, I think that's really cool and really exciting. So that that team will launch in 2027 and I'm very happy for the Tasmanian people that they will now have their own AFL team. It's awesome. Shane Dore, General Manager, Coastal Safety for Surf Life Saving Australia. I love sport because what it does is it brings people together, it creates passion, it creates a team environment and it celebrates everything that we do. The NRLW has now informed us that the season will start towards the end of July. I mean, it's crazy that it's like two months out from that and we're only getting that information. But we know now. But we but know. We know. Let's be positive. Yes. We know now. Uh, they've released the schedule and they the schedule is now going to include four new teams, the Canberra Raiders, the Cronulla Sharks, the North Queensland Cowboys and the West Tigers. And what's also really good about the schedule that's been released is that there's a lot of double headers. And there's a lot of matches where the women's game will be followed by the men's game of, and it's all of the same club. Oh, so good. Yeah, so like great opportunities for the women's game to be promoted and to get some primetime TV viewings. Yeah, really. Um, and they've also expanded, it's hard to believe that this is expanding, but they've now expanded the Origin series for the women to two games. Oh, that's I know. Expand- How's that but work? it's progress. It's progress. So it was just one. I game think it before. used to be one before, and now they get two games, which doesn't really allow them to work out who wins the series. I guess that it makes no sense. Mm. Yep. Cool. Yep. Oh, well, it's a second. But game. they get another game, and Good that's or- another opportunity <laughs> for the women's game to promote their sport. So we're excited for them. We're happy about that. And one of those games will be in Townsville, and the other one will be in New South Wales. Townsville is going to. All love that. Well, and so good for them because they've now got a Cowboys team for the women's game. So there'll be there'll be so many people on board. Anyway, all this cool stuff is happening with NRLW. So what we wanted to do is bring on a player. Her name is Ash Werner. She just has the most incredible backstory of any athlete we've had on for a while now. She has been a bobsledder. She also was a swimmer at one point in her career as a kid. She, Amazing. Yeah, Not that like, I'm, I'm picking favourites. Already you're involved. 
She has been playing for the West Tigers as part of the Harvey Norman NRL competition, which is, I guess, the grade below the women's NRL league. And she's just been selected to play for the Broncos here in Brisbane as part of the NRLW. So exciting. Ash, welcome. Thank you so much for joining Libby and I on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really interesting hearing my own career. Swimming feels like so long ago, but it was my first sport, my my absolute first love, really. So, Georgie kind of alluded to it, but you have just such an interesting backstory when it comes to elite level sports. So you've actually been selected to represent Australia twice at the Winter Olympics for bobsleigh. And twice, in two occasions, you haven't actually been able to then go and participate. Can you kind of give us a, uh, like an idea of what that feels like to, to <laughs> know that you've qualified but haven't actually been able to go over and represent Australia? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's still a process. It's still a journey. I think uh, anyone that has the idea of going to an Olympics, it's sort of a lifelong dream and it's it's been a dream for me since I was four years old. So to kind of get that close and not actually get to go has been quite devastating. Mm. Um, and it just affects kind of every aspect of your life because I feel like being an athlete is not just something you do. It's really who you are and it's sort of in your bones. And so, yeah, to get that close is, is really difficult. But definitely for the last year, I've been on this inner journey and this inner quest to be able to focus more on on being process oriented rather than this end goal focus and I think that's really helped me reframe a lot of that pain and a lot of all of those struggles around not making an Olympics into and channeling it into something really awesome like NRLW at the moment. So Ash I'm really interested can I ask and I hope it's not too traumatic when I do can I ask <laughs> what, okay. ha- what happened that you weren't able to go to those Olympic Games? Yeah, uh, so the first one in 2018, we qualified as a team, but we just didn't get nominated, so we just didn't get sent. Um, and that was just, to be honest, I can't even tell you what happened there. It's just a bit of like a, a little bit of a blur. There were some mm. political issues, and yeah, it was just a really tough time, especially because I was still so new to the sport. Um, the second time, I got COVID going into the last race of the season, and so even though it was the sled that qualified, wasn't able to represent so I mean in a global pandemic there's really unfortunately not much you can do and it, it held off till the last race it doesn't make it better but mm. um yeah just tough circumstances really and those are the things that you just can't control for as an athlete it's yeah no was, and especially during COVID like we had so many so many things in place that was you know masked all the time we we just absolutely isolated ourselves um and even with all of those protocols, it's still just the thing that happened. I'm so fascinated to understand your thinking around becoming more process orientated and how that has kind of contributed to your, I guess, career switch to NRLW and how that kind of came about for you. It's been a really interesting journey. Um, I had a, a mental coach and a, a sports psych at the time going into last bobsled season and he was very, very adamant about, you know, set the goals and look at each race and kind of see what you can get out of that rather than focusing on getting to the Olympics because that is just such a huge goal to have. And the actual getting to the Olympics is made up by all the little steps in between. But at the time, I was like, yeah, 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 I'm focused on the race. I'm focused on the race. But I think in the back of my head, I was still like, got to get to the Olympics, got to get to the Olympics. Yeah. 
And so sitting in our hotel room in Switzerland with COVID, realizing we were not going to the Olympics, I kind of started, I mean, I was just devastated and I kept saying that I, I felt like such a failure. The season felt like a failure and I didn't really know how to kind of communicate that to my friends and family. But then I sort of looked back at what we'd actually achieved in the season and I saw that, you know, I'd made my World Cup debut in two different disciplines. I'd learned four or five new bobsled tracks in one season, which is just unheard of. I'd, we'd won six silver medals in North America. We had set a track record. I'd had a top six finish in a World Cup. You know, there were all these little things that I actually, if you had taken me back a year ago, I would have been over the moon with any one of those things and put them all together in one season. Mm. I was like, wow, that was that was amazing. And just because I didn't make it to an Olympics, it doesn't mean that my season was a failure. It doesn't mean I'm a failure because there are so many things that I can take out of that. And it definitely hasn't been easy switching that focus, but it's definitely helped me now moving forward because I took a season away from the ice. I needed to just reset and recalibrate kind of myself and my person. And I'm too competitive not to do something for a couple of years, uh, for a year, sorry. Um, and, you know, I loved, I played rugby for a little bit before I went into bobsled and decided that the stars aligned and West Tigers were interested. And I said, yeah, I'll pop on the footy boots and see how we go. Take each week at a time. I'll just see if I enjoy it. And then ended up getting a contract with them and then ended up having a, a pretty good season and landing a contract with the Broncos. So, so it's been a weird, interesting journey. <laughs> Ash, had you ever played NRL before? I played half a season of league back in 2018. I had played rugby union for about two years before that. I was in the sevens program, sevens and and 15s and then played half a season of league but uh, I ended my season with a really bad concussion and my bobsled coach made me choose and I chose bobsled so um, but I haven't picked up a ball in about four years hadn't put on didn't even have footy boots anymore so it was really a split second decision to say yes and and walk on down to uh, the park over in Concord. So what's it like you've gone from operating in a two-person team in the bobsled to now 14 other girls out on the field. How does that work for you? I love it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big team sport person. As you mentioned, I, I did swimming and little athletics as a kid, but when I kind of got to the age of 12, I wanted to do more team sport things. So I started playing netball and touch football and team aspect, like that, that team aspect really, it just lights my soul on fire. Like I love working with people. I love, I'm very competitive in my nature. So being around other people that are better than me makes me work a lot harder and, and then I see the best in myself. My mom used to always joke that if I ran as fast in my 100 metres as I ran in the 100 metre relay, that I would win mm. <laughs> because I just was always with other people and I love working for other people. So it really actually suits me down to a T and it's been awesome. Have you completely parked the plans of returning to, to bobsled or are you still kind of... Because you seem quite busy now. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you're <laughs> going to be playing in the NRLW now. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little busy. Um, I don't know. I haven't really, um, I don't think, I haven't made a decision on it yet. I mean, I, I love bobsled. It's such an amazing sport. But I'm also a big believer in everything happening for a reason. And I think right now my focus is definitely NRLW because I have this incredible opportunity. Mm. Um, and I've been given this amazing opportunity. And like I said, I'm that person that takes everything with two hands and does the best I can with it. So for the moment, my focus is 100% on the Broncos, but who knows? Well, we are absolutely thrilled that you're going to be joining the Broncos as, you know, (laughs) 
Brisbane uh, livers. I don't know. Oh. Bris- Brisbaneites. Bris- there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we live in Brisbane. Anyway, go Broncos. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we're, we're absolutely thrilled to have you um, in the NRLW. You are an absolute powerhouse and what a joy you have been to speak to today. Thank you so much for your time, Ash. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Megan Hustlade and I'm a sports presenter specialising in women's sport. I love sport because of the connection. The connection on a sporting field, a court, an arena and the sporting connection that lives way beyond that off the field. I learned something interesting over the weekend. You learn lots of interesting things, to be fair. I read the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seven of Australia's largest sporting codes. So when we talk about sporting codes, we're talking AFL, NRL, Rugby Australia, Netball Australia, Football Australia, Cricket Australia and Tennis Australia have all got on board or are preparing to get on board to support the voice to parliament. Like for the referendum? Yes. So apparently part of the... I guess it's the Yes campaign strategy around the voice to parliament has been to mobilise sporting organisations and use them as a vehicle to advocate for the importance of the voice, Mm. which really I was just sort of not blown away because actually when you think about it, it makes so much sense. But I was just thinking it's actually quite clever because you've got seven of the biggest sporting codes in the country who have a reach into an incredible number of kids and families who can then help talk about the issue and talk to people and it's and it can come from their idols. Mm. I think it – I mean, that's fascinating because, you know, obviously that is quite a big topic of discussion amongst Australian politics at the moment. The Liberals are obviously very much in the camp of no – the labor is very much in the camp of yes. And I think the undecided people are just more confused than mm. anything. So it's a great opportunity to potentially harness those sporting role models to maybe educate about what it actually means. Because I think a lot of people are really confused. Yeah. I think one of the things that really stood out for me was that the support of the NRL could make the difference in Queensland. As a state, yes, we're potentially more on the no. It's the we're considered the least positive about the voice. Yeah, so utilizing the NRL could really tip things in the balance of yes. Yeah, I think it's exciting. Power of sport. I'm Aiden. I love sport because because there's a competition. Sport shots. Are you going first? No, you go. Okay. So I don't know if you guys saw the um, incredible clip in a basketball NBA press conference where a journalist was asking, I don't know what team he plays for, but his name is Giannis and it was a question that the journalist had given to him the previous season and then wanted to reiterate, do you consider this season a failure? Because obviously they didn't win or make the playoffs or whatever. I don't know what they do over there, but you know what I mean. Basketball things. Basketball things. And this clip, which we will share on our social media, so you should go definitely have a look. It's just the most powerful perspective on failure and actually 
there is no failure in sport or there's no failure in life really. There's learning and there's preparing to achieve in the future because the way that he described it was, you know, Michael Jordan played for 15 years in the NBA. He only won six championships. So do we consider the other nine years a failure? No, we do not. It's preparation, preparation for those moments and learning of how to manage those situations, of how to get through those difficult times, how to come together as a team, individually learning how to improve. And yeah, anyway, go have a look at our social media. We'll post the clip there. I just think it's such a beautiful way to look at failure and and get that perspective. And he really challenged the journalist too. He sort of sat there and said, well, if you know, if, if your boss doesn't say you did a great job today, do you, do you – Is that a failure? Is that a failure? If you don't get a promotion this year, is that a failure? And then he was actually good enough to go, hang on, no, sorry, I'm, I'm not making this about you, but this is what I'm saying. He was very aware. He was passionate but yeah, respectful. respectful. Yeah, I loved it. I think it's, it's an appropriate time in the season to talk about Ted Lasso. Woo! Like actually give it some air time which we haven't done before, but... Have you not? I mean, not in its own <laughs> segment. I feel like in have the we last <laughs> four or five episodes, Ted Lasso has had a mention at I least I feel it's, just like, it's like a sprinkling, just a bit of gold dust of Ted Lasso. Okay. That's it. That's, that's your podcast. That's, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Look, okay, we've been fact-checked. We have spoken it about a bit, but we haven't really gone into any of the detail of the season. All I can say is I'm not happy about the Dutchman character arc. I don't know. You're talking about Rebecca's night Flynn. out in Amsterdam with Correct. the Dutchman. Yeah. I think it is what it is. I think people are trying to make it into more... Well, everyone's like, Let's get, he's, he's going to end up with the Dutch guy. And I'm like, no, it's Ted. Yes, yeah, cosmically linked, guys. I don't see that happen. I don't see Rebecca and Ted happening. I'm interested. There's been a bit of criticism floating about this season about Ted Lasso and the character he's playing and the fact that he's not very pivotal in the season. Oh, how and, so? And I would say this. In my mind, they've played it beautifully because – like a true coach, the season is not about him. Mm. It's about elevating the players around him. Oh, it's good. It's deep. It's good. I was pretty happy with myself when I worked that out. <laughs> you should be. It's impressive. But it is. So you're seeing these characters really develop and you're, you're seeing the stories of all the people around him and particularly Jamie Tart mm. and Roy Kent, which they are just two of the greatest characters ever around at the moment mm. easily. And watching those two emerge and also watching what's happening with Nate, I feel like it's drawing itself to a very satisfying conclusion. I will only be satisfied if Rebecca and oh, Ted God, get move together. on. No, they're meant to be. I don't think so. <laughs> Although I could end up eating my words and I'm sure you will remind me of it if that's the case. You can bet your bottom dollar on it. <laughs> so much for listening to this week's episode of the sports social we so enjoy bringing you these episodes and if you have a friend who you think would enjoy these sports chats please share it with them and let them know about us and we absolutely love receiving your feedback and your reviews it totally lights us up 
If you are enjoying this kind of sports content, head over to our Instagram page at the Sports Social Podcast. Otherwise, we will chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.